0: a show for you, and am I super excited. Um, th- there's so much to get to, but before we do that, we just heard a fool's errand by the band Fire Sale, and with me is Christopher Sweeney. Thank you so much for being on the program. Truly uh, am humbled to uh, have you on. Um, for those that don't know about Chris, he is a musician, a teacher, a world traveler, a recording engineer. He's also a, a guitarist for many fabled bands, but <laughs> um, but now you you are in this super group uh, known as Fire Sale, which, by the way, contains so many people that it it has to be super, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and first, quick question: Do you think the term super group it is outdated for bands I mean I don't know about outdated. I will say
1: <clears throat> when when we first like came out and people were using that term, we kind of cringed a little bit we're like Ugh. but then we also realized that in the music industry you kind of use whatever you've got right we want more people to check out our band. we want people that liked no use for a name and and the Ataris and and Poly and, and face-to-face and Amberetta. We want them to check us out. So we, like I said, we were kind of cringe, like, uh super group, I don't want people to think we're calling ourselves that. But we didn't say that. Our PR guy said that, and the label said that. So we leaned into it, and we used that, because it's a leg up to get us out there in front of people. But I will say that term is kind of, it's 50-50 for me in today's, You know, because every time it's someone that did something cool and one other guy that did something cool, it's a super group. I don't know. We like I said, we lean into it because it's going to get us. It already has got us in front of
0: more people. I I just riddled off a thousand things that you do. (laughs) How do do you even have time for this group? Well, I'll tell you.
1: I mean, I, I have a full-time music education studio where I, I'm a private music tutor, and that's 40 hours a week. Um, I mix and master stuff for other bands, which is a big job, too. That takes up a lot of my nighttime hours when everybody's – oh, my kids are – my kids are asleep. My wife's asleep. And then, you know, <clears throat> I just don't like to just kind of hang. I like to have – Many creative outlets, some of those creative outlets also helped me pay the bills, but this band, I don't know how much you want to get into it right now. I know you've got questions, but it started during the pandemic when nothing was going on and I'm friends with the guys and I respect all the guys that are in the band and I started writing songs again. I hadn't written songs for like a decade and the guys liked them and we said, hey, let's maybe we'll start a band and we at first it was just this thing we were doing. And then as we kept going and kept going and labels got interested and people were digging it and sharing it and there was kind of a little buzz going and, and it became a real thing. And we've you know, played shows and we have a new video coming out and it's, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. I don't know if I was expecting that, but it's really cool that that came out of a really bad time in everybody's life, the pandemic. I had like a silver lining that I got to play music again.
0: Let's get into real quick the video. Because I saw that you guys put up a GoFundMe, yeah. And then with that, it, it said that you guys were gonna originally, you know, DIY it. You're gonna have all your fans send in, you know, footage from shows and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you pivot to this.
1: I can explain it. And you're the only person. I've been doing a lot of press lately. You're the only person to ask about that. So I'm excited to tell you. <laughs> So the original idea was, you know, we're on a smaller label. They take care of us wonderfully, but videos are expensive, you know? And so we were like, what are we going to do for a video? Well, let's have people that dig the song, sing the song at their house or wherever, playing the bass, playing drums, and I'll cut it all together. And we'll just do this like DIY, really cool project. well, a lot of people sent stuff in a lot of submissions and they were really, really cool around the time that I was going to start putting those together. We got an offer to do a real music video. Not that that isn't a real music video, but like a, with like a crew and a gaffer and sound people and like the whole deal. And it was in Dallas, Texas, which is where our drummer, Matt Morris lives. And we wanted to do that really, really bad. And, Originally, the the video wasn't really going to cost anything. So our label's like, cool, we'll fly you guys down there because there's no cost. So we bought the tickets. That video thing kind of didn't materialize the way that it should have. And so then we're like three months out. We have tickets booked to Dallas. I would booked a show so we could play our, our record release show. And we still wanted to do a video really bad. And Matt Morris, his buddy, actually is a director. And he works for, like, a decent-sized company. And they do stuff with, like, the Dallas Cowboys and, and the Mavericks. Like, they do, like, high-quality stuff. And he had done a couple of music videos. And he, he likes the band. His name's Joe. And Joe's like, you know, we could do it. But I, I can't. You know, there's got to be some money. Like, you'll get the bro rate... But but there has to be something like it's not you. We can't do freebies, right? So the label was tapped and we're kind of sitting around on a Zoom one night talking like, what are we going to do? And Joe was like, you know, if you guys get down here, I'll, I'll get a camera and we'll use our iPhones and I'll still cut together something really, really cool for you, even if there's no money. And I was like, that's cool, but we can kind of do that ourselves. So. Tim from, that was originally inter-band Tim from Protest the Hero, Tim Macmiller. He was kind of one of the first guys in Fire Sale and then Protest the Hero got really busy. So he's kind of taking a back seat. He's doing piano and some second guitar stuff. Tim's band, Protest the Hero, for a record they put out, they had crowdfunded it. The complete record, like they got like $400,000 Canadian. Like it was crazy. So I got a hold of him and I was like, you know, we were wanting to do this video what do you think you think we should do what you guys did? And he's like, he goes, man, it worked for us. We didn't know what was going to happen. And he said, a lot of people like fire sale. He's like, you guys could probably at least get enough to make a really cool video. So I put together, you know, the GoFundMe page and told what our goal was and what we were trying to accomplish. And if you donated over $50, you get put in a raffle to win a rare test pressing of our first seven inch and trying to give people an incentive, not just to give us money, but like, we really wanted to make something cool and we had this opportunity. We just didn't have any funds and the label had already bought us flights and everything. So I was really surprised. People were very, very generous. One guy gave us $300. I, think I mean, I know that, who me, the test $300 is like a couple bills or one yeah. big bill, you know, yeah. like I just, it kind of blew me away. The generosity of people and, our goal was three grand and three grand would be like all the bells and whistles, amazing, like get treated like stars, craft services, the whole deal. We got, we got about, I think 75 to 80% of that. And it covered the crew. It covered paying for the permits for the location. It covered the equipment. We got it done. And it was thanks to everybody that likes our band and, They all get their names as as executive producers at the end of the video, and it just, it was really cool. It felt kind of like a community, like a family, like they banded around us, and they helped us achieve this thing that we really wanted to achieve, and I took a lot of the footage those people had sent prior, and I cut it together and just made like this little minute-long
0: clip so they were still involved. I actually went on your GoFundMe page, and um, you could still donate. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I didn't even, I haven't, I haven't taken it down yet.
1: If anybody, if anybody donates, that will go to, uh I don't know, maybe helping us get to the next tour. Yeah. <laughs> Since we all live all over the place.
0: I don't, but you guys say that you're based in L.A. I'm like, who, who is based in L.A.? You
1: all don't live there. Well, that's the thing. Like, Riddle is very close to L.A., and, uh When we were talking to our publicists and everything, they're like, you know, it's hard because people are like, where are you guys from? And like, well, we're from everywhere. You can't say fire sale, Indiana, Virginia, Texas, California. You have to, like, you have to kind of tie it up with a nice bow on it. So our label and our PR guy, they were like, let's just say L.A. because people – think that bands come from LA and riddles <laughs> close enough to LA. And it'll just be that until people ask you where everybody's from. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll go with that. So we are a Los Angeles band, even though I'm speaking to you from the middle of the country.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And by the way, um, they have a seven inch out, uh, go to hyperfollow.com com slash F S a fools, uh, errand. And, I'll have the link on the show notes, for you guys to check it out and tell me about this, uh, seven inch, uh, that you guys are, are pressing. Is it gonna be a different color or something like that?
1: Yeah, we, I mean, it's already out. So you can order it and it'll ship immediately. There's like a green and black kind of colored one and then there's like a, a white, red and like gold kind of splattered one. They're really really cool, and that website is kind of a web, weird website. That's if you go to there, you can do all the different markets like Asia and Europe and whatever. If you want to, if you're in the America and you want to get it, just go to negativeprogressionrecords.com. That's the easiest thing. I just always put that hyper follow because it has all the markets. So if you're in Asia or Australia and you want to order it, it's not going to be like eighty dollars shipping because we have distros oh, wow, all yeah. over the
0: world. Gotcha.
1: So yeah, if you're in America, just go to negativeprogressionrecords.com but yeah there's two variants uh if you're in america you can also get a t-shirt bundle and uh it's selling briskly we're very very happy the label's very happy and uh yeah it's going really really well we actually have two new singles coming out very soon that i just finished editing a bunch of guitars on this afternoon and we can't wait we've got
0: another seven inch gonna hit probably before the end of the year very cool um uh, earlier i played a fool's errand and i just want to talk to you about that song really quick man the, the song was super nostalgic and i don't know if you were going for that but you know the the guy that you have singing He's from yeah. what? Ann Anne, uh, Beretta, right? Pedro? He was,
1: he was in Ann Beretta. He was in a band called Fun Size that used to be on a major label back in the day. He's, he's done a lot of stuff
0: his, as far as like singing. His voice, I could have sworn it, it was, uh, uh, Trevor Keith 20 years ago. I, hey I, I, we'll take it right yeah I, and and I and i I was like, I was like, maybe I was like, maybe uh Pedro Ada's really Trevor K- so I had to go look him up to make sure he was he wasn't, but he's he's who he is, I love his voice, and his voice with you know your guy's tone it it's perfect, <laughs> it's really well, thanks, strange man. how it just fit together, and it got me thinking about that first moment where you guys all decided like you know what this could actually work the whole like story
1: of the band is very strange so during the pandemic i wrote a few songs i hadn't written for a really long time and i liked them i thought they kind of i don't know like whenever i write something i'm very critical and like oh it's not good whatever but i wrote these songs just musically and I, i i kept going back to them and i was like I, I really dig these. Like I'm, I don't normally dig my stuff as much because I'm very critical of myself when I write stuff and I let my wife hear it and she's like, it's, it sounds really cool. She goes, I want to hear somebody sing on it, but the music part of it, it's, it, I really dig it. And everybody I let hear it, they, they said, this is really cool, man. You got to do something with this. So I sent it to Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle sent me back bass tracks. Wow. And I was like, okay. And then I was all excited because even though Matt and I are buddies, he's like one of my favorite bass players in the entire world. Like, so I had the bass tracks. I had my stuff. And all this time it was just like programmed drums, but I'm pretty decent at programming drums. So it sounded pretty good. I had worked with Pedro previously at the beginning of the pandemic. I did this thing on my podcast on that one time on tour podcast where I wrote this little pop punk song. And then I had listeners send in their singing for the song. And the one that I liked the best was Pedro. That was the first time I'd ever met Pedro, was just through the podcast. That's crazy. Like I, I knew, like I had spoken to him, like he'd email me a couple of times. He liked the show. I was even thinking about having him on the show because I loved Amberetta and I loved some of the bands he was in. But he sent me vocals for that song back in the day. And I really, really liked it. So as I'm putting fire sale, like the the seed is planted and we're like trying to see what we can do with this. Originally, this band that I love out of Australia called Paper Arms, their singer, Josh Mann, I had been talking to him. He was on my podcast <clears throat> and I was like, hey, man, I wrote these songs. I know you write songs you want to sing in this band? And I already named it fire sale and everything. Like I got the name from a song. My my buddies in get dead. They have a song called fire sale. And one night I was writing names on a piece of paper and that song came on my shuffle. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool name. So that's where the name came from. But Josh originally was going to be the singer in fire sale. And Josh has got a really cool voice, kind of like a Chuck Reagan, kind of scratchy hot water music kind of thing. Like a Gainesville sound, you know, And it kind of just got to the point where he didn't really have a way to record. He was in Australia, so if anything did happen with the band, it would be more of a logistical nightmare than it is already. And it just kind of got came down to, man, I want to write some songs with you. I think it's going to be great, but I think maybe we should go another direction. And Matt and I were talking, and I said, hey, this guy Pedro that I really, really love his voice, he sang on this old song I wrote. Let's see if he wants to do it. And we asked him, and he killed it. And then we had a drummer for a while, Tucker Rule from Thursday and L.S. Dunes. He did the drums on the demos, but then he's a busy guy. I I, I knew from day one, like, Tucker's a buddy. I didn't think Tucker was going to be in Fire Sale. I really didn't think that. It was just like, hey, here's some songs I wrote. I need drums that aren't fake drums. Can you do it? Sure. And so he did it. But then when we wanted to actually, like, we we got the attention of Spam Records over in Austria, who put out the first 7-inch, they were like, you know, hey, we want to sign you guys. We want to put something out. I was like, we need more than just the demo drums. So we got this guy, Will Will Ferguson, who's like a session drummer out in Jersey, and he played on the first two singles that are on that first 7-inch, Dark Hearts and Mercy Brown. And then after that, my buddy Paul was in the band for a while, but Paul, he he kind of injured his back and... And it was hard for us to get together. And, and it just kind of never materialized. And then finally, Matt Morris, who's a buddy of mine, he's does he did a bunch of quarantine covers with a band called Just Like Them. They played Descendant songs and all songs. I'd been talking to him forever, and I was like, dude, why don't you just join the band? I said, you've got a studio. You can record yourself. We don't have to pay any money. And he said yes, and then things went real quick after that. But the aha moment which I know I I rambled and I got away from your question. The aha moment for me was secretly in my mind. I wanted Matt Riddle to be in a band with me. And when he sent bass tracks back, I'm like, I have a band. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if we would go do a video in in Texas and play shows and, and put out records. I didn't know that, but I was like, I'm gonna die one day and I'm gonna have music I wrote with Matt Riddle's bass playing on it. And that was that was the aha moment for me.
0: Man, what a great moment. What a yeah. what a story. I, it's a crazy story, right? I, yeah, yeah. And um <laughs> I hope people listen to this podcast so they don't have so you don't have to tell that story a thousand more times.
1: You know? I always try to add more or like make it a little different every time I tell it. So I, I think I got a little more in depth on your show. So hopefully people will, will recognize that.
0: Yeah. No now real quick too, you know, having all those veterans together sounds super fun. And yeah. and I guess the way you guys did it was very postal service, if you will. Yeah, totally. I mean, nowadays
1: with technology as the way that it is, we all have a Macbook or Pedro has a full recording studio. Like he does full records for bands at his house. I've got like a podcast studio where, you know, I can record guitars and I could record bass and vocals. I'd have a hard time probably doing a full drum set, but I can do everything that I need to do. And Matt Morris has a full project studio where his drums are set up and mic'd. And you know, Riddle's got a MacBook with a little interface where he can do his bass. So we all kind of have a way to do it, right? So with those songs, those first songs that I wrote, when I wrote and recorded them, I didn't write and record them as like a shitty demo. I wrote and recorded them as playing the best I could play with the best tones that I could get, edited the best and all gridded out to a click track. So everything is in time and perfect. So when I send it to Riddle, I'm like, this song is in B minor. It's 162 beats per minute. Put it on your thing. Look at the grid. Turn on your click track. Like, and so if, if I do all my stuff to a click and Riddle plays his bass to a click and then only sends me his bass wave back, I put it into my session and now I've got a bass on my session. And then we get all that done. We send an MP3 to, to Pedro. He writes and records his vocals, sends all those waves back to me. I dump them in my, in my logic session and we kind of build it like a house. And as long as you play it, you know, when you're in the studio, bands nowadays, I mean, all the way back 25, 30 years ago, you use a click track because you need some kind of reference. So it's not the tempo doesn't go up and down. We're doing the same thing bands do when they're together in a studio. We're just
0: doing it thousands of miles apart from each other. Have have you guys done this live together? Because now I'm like curious. Because yeah, that that
1: was that was the thing. Like when we our first show and only show so far, we have stuff coming up, but our first and only show was last month in Dallas, where you know the posts that everybody put on on the internet were "Fire Sales" a real boy. Like we played a show. (laughs) It's not a project. It's not a pandemic. It's it's a real thing. And that was the thing. We all independently, cause that's the thing. I wrote the songs and recorded the songs, but if you're not playing them all the time, I forgot how to fucking play them. I had to go into my session and like solo my guitar and go, Oh, it's a, an E minor five. It's a, it's a, it's a B augmented. Like I had to go in there and like figure out what I was doing. And so I learned all the songs, all my parts. Riddle did the same thing. Morris did the same thing. Morris even had to learn the two songs he didn't play on. And then other songs that we haven't released yet, because you got to play at least eight or nine songs at a show. So it's like the four or five that are released and then like four more. And then we did a Misfits cover because everybody can play the Misfits. <laughs> but yeah, we just all kind of did that. And we got to Texas. It was Easter weekend. So we got there Thursday. We didn't leave till Monday. So Thursday and Friday, We rehearsed together as much as humanly possible. Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we were at the location to do the video. We did an eight-hour video shoot, broke for food, then drove back downtown Dallas, played our record release show, got out of there at 3 a.m., came back. Easter Sunday, we all kind of hung out. Then we did a photo shoot. And then Monday, we woke up and we all flew home.
0: Wow. <laughs> crazy, right? That is crazy. So do you guys plan on touring like this? Or are Well, I, I will tell like- you, when you get the first one out of the way, like in the
1: Ataris, we never really rehearsed very much back in the day. Like we all live fairly close together, but a tour is coming up and we'd be like, okay, everybody learn your parts again. And then before the first show in the van or the hotel, we're all going to have practice in the room with no amps. And it would always go pretty well because we played so many shows. Now, Fire Sale's still new, but just the fact that we were able to get together for basically one and a half rehearsals and then pull off a show, I think you know we are planning on some short runs. I think we're going to do a probably a, a week or so on the East Coast and a week or so week or so on the West Coast, and we also have some offers for Asia and Europe and different places. But we're just basically going to get to wherever we're going a day early. Go over the songs a bunch and then hopefully by the second or third show, we won't suck. You know, <laughs> it's the I, best we can do, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah, That that's what's going on uh, with the band. And if you guys want to follow more about the band, log on to entertheshell.com. I'm going to have their um, Instagram and I'm going to have their Facebook and all that other good, fun stuff uh, for you to hit up the band. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, and it was, it's something that. Um, I go through from time to time and, and I'm curious about your process is what do you do to fall back in love with music? I mean, I don't think I ever
1: fell out of love with music. I will say that the pandemic was a big catalyst for me because before the pandemic, I mean, I hadn't played in the band for a really long time. Like when I, I left the Ataris back about the, I don't know, 2010 or whenever. I'm not sure when it was. And then after that, I started working in corporate entertainment. And, uh, <clears throat> then for after a while, I joined a cover band when I lived down in, in Alabama and in Florida on the beach. Cause you could play six nights a week and you can make killer money. We're doing like Bob Marley and sublime and shit. And I'm, I mean, and I'll tell you that that was fun, but I didn't feel any creativeness at all doing that. And I won't knock cover bands cause they're great, but. It just wasn't for me. I did it for a couple of years. Didn't really dig it. And then I kind of got away from it and I kind of lost my identity because my identity was always, I was the guy in the band or I was the guitar player. And, you know, I had a couple kids and moved back to Indiana where I grew up and was kind of, I was teaching guitar and I, I love music and I never kind of got out of music, but I didn't have that passion to create it. You know, when I started my podcast, in 2018, it was a way for me to kind of reconnect with a scene that I felt like I wasn't a part of anymore. Like, you know, I open up my phone and I'm like, oh, look at all these people that I know. But I haven't talked to these people in a decade because I'm not on the road and I have nothing to do with the music industry anymore. So I I got the podcast going because I wanted to feel connected to that thing that I had been connected to my entire adult life, which was the underground music scene, the punk rock scene, whatever you want to call it. And the podcast did that, and I got really, really excited about music again. And then when the pandemic hit, I was still doing the podcast, and I loved it, and everybody was trapped inside, so everyone said yes. I had, like, crazy people on the podcast because everybody said yes. But I started kind of getting a little burnt and a little bored with it, and I started playing my guitar more, and that's when, like, the whole inspiration to write stuff Before Fire Sale, I never thought I'd ever play in another band again or put out anything. And I feel very kind of, I don't know if blessed is the right word, but blessed or honored or lucky or whatever that I'm 44 years old and I get to do, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to tour nine months out of the year. I've got kids. But the fact that I'm the age I am and I had so much time away from it and I get to come back and not only release songs that I love, that I've put my heart and soul into, but create them and release them with people that I love, like brothers that I respect that Matt mill, Matt Morris, one of the best drummers I've ever played with Pedro, one of the best singers I've ever played with and created with Matt Riddle. If you had me list the top three bass players I've ever heard in my life, he's in the top three with like Cliff Burton and Matt Freeman. Like, I'm not lying. And he gets mad at me when I say that shit in interviews. But it's like, no, you don't get it, man. When I was in high school, face-to-face and no use for a name or my shit. They're still my shit. You're the guy. That's another thing. You know, this is a ramble, but on a fool's errand, you said it reminded you of face-to-face. The way that song came about is that I told Riddle, I'm like, hey, go home tonight and send me a song that is classic Matt Riddle intro bass. And he laughed at me, and then the next day he sent me a fool's errand, and then I'm like, okay, let's get to work. And I, I didn't leave my studio for like two days. Like played all the guitars, did all the little harmonies, like all this stuff. And then after Pedro sang on it, I I can hear what you're saying. And even though you're you're kind of drawing a parallel with Trevor and and Pedro, I get those vibes because. I told Matt what I wanted, and he gave me signature Matt Riddle, which is exactly disconnected, all those face-to-face songs. When you hear that, you know it's him, you know it's face-to-face. And that when he sent that back and I got to work on it and put my stamp on it, and then Pedro put his stamp on it, and Matt Morris put the drums on it, it's fire sale, but we kind of wear our influences on our sleeve, and our influences are a lot of the times the bands we used to be in.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. A good band, so yeah, I enjoyed it, so um uh, what a great way to uh leave. um thank you again, Christopher, for coming on the show and just being so genuine and um engaging in this uh, fantastic thing we call conversation and yeah. um you know, go out, guys, support the band, and for all the links, hit up enter the dot com. Uh again they have a seven inch out. Go purchase that. And I know they've got more stuff coming out. So uh just make sure to follow them on uh all their socials and whatnot. Okay, last song that we are gonna leave with is We Dance for Sorrow and, and if you could do this under a minute Yeah, I, I'll I, do a yeah, shortly. Yeah. I know you had this riff knocking around for for years and it's so strange that you, that when i saw this because i know that's so true with uh, you know uh people that write you know if that write lyrics the they'll write some lyrics and put it up and you know the, it, finally the the it'll foresee the light of day but it never dawned on me that the same thing happens with guitarists or maybe even bass players now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. um, Do you do this a lot where you have all these riffs just stored away in cold storage waiting to one day be released? I'll tell you for me, my
1: voice memo on my phone, because every time you update your phone, you just kind of plug it into your iTunes and you get all your old shit. I have riffs on my phone from 2014 which I know that's a long time ago, but I also have riffs that I've written down. I have little, like, I have tapes when I used to do stuff. Like, I'm not going to go back to the well from, like, 20 years ago, but sometimes when I'm jamming, I'll, I'll just do a little couple bars of a riff that I think is cool, and I'm not ri sit there and flesh it out and write a whole song, but I know I dig it. So I put it on my phone, and then months later, I'll come back to it, and I'm like, I really like that riff. Oh, it's in C-sharp minor. Oh, I know another part I wrote that can go with that. And I start kind of putting them together. And that's that's how it happens for me because I don't really write words. Like I'll do backup vocals and stuff, but I'm not really like a wordsmith lyricist guy. But, yeah, there's always little bits and pieces kind of knocking around the riff tapes, you know, just kind of going through them and see what I can do with it. I've got a bunch right now on my phone that... Hopefully will be the next ten to twenty fire songs
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool that uh, all you gotta do is just send them out to everyone just the the same way uh super cool talking with you uh, uh, again Christopher um go check out the band um make sure to follow them on tour I know they're gonna be touring uh you should it's summer, so I mean there's yeah that that's what they call tour season. It's, I, I think our stuff's going to probably start in the fall,
1: but uh, but maybe next summer. I think we're going to do some festivals. There's already been some talk with some different different places and whatnot. So
0: yeah, so make sure to uh, check it out. And remember, you heard all this here first, right here on What The Music on EnterTheShell dot com. Uh, again, uh, we are going to leave you now with a riff from twenty fourteen. However, <laughs> it's it's now. So it's it's you know from the past to the future. Uh, we eighty eighty <laughs> percent of this song is like within the last six months, but yeah. okay. So the, it's still, <laughs> one of the riffs is old. It still has that freshness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is me dance for sorrow right here on Let the music.